In the name of Jesus, amen. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Uh, Dear saints, Christianity is constantly under attack from every side, and it's tarnished with false accusations and obscured with so many misconceptions and the things that we believe, teach, and confess from the Bible are being assaulted and ridiculed by the world and our own sinful flesh. And we've heard it all before. Christians are too gentle or too pacifistic. Uh, Others say we've provoked many wars. Some say we're too optimistic and others say we're pessimistic. Some say we're too dark and gloomy. Others say we're too joyful and naive. Some say Christianity is useless. And still others say that it's not simply useless, but it's evil and immoral. So since the world is always saying these things, it's for this reason God tells us to always be prepared to make a defense. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, the epistle lesson for today, the Greek word for defense is apologia, which uh, means to make a defense or to have an argument. And this is where we get the word, uh, the, the fancy word apologetics. Uh, you may have heard this word before, but if you haven't, simply put, apologetics is about defending Christianity from those who attack it, from those who try to disprove it or say that it's not historical or the Bible's not reliable, things like this. Uh, Now, we can't argue anyone into the faith. That's not the point. Uh, We even confess this in the small catechism. We say, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, not by arguments or reasoning, but by the gospel. So arguing doesn't make anyone a Christian. God makes Christians through his word, specifically through the Holy Gospel. Nevertheless, the purpose of apologetics is to simply take down the barriers that people have to listening, uh, to gain a hearing, and to show the foolishness of unbelief. Now, when we hear this passage, we usually tend to think of big-name Christians, those with academic degrees, those who went to the seminary, who have theological training. We think that they are supposed to be the apologists. They are the ones doing the apologetics. They're the ones making a defense on behalf of the church, on behalf of us. However, I want to drive the point home today, this that Peter does not write these words to pastors, to professors, to theologians, or to some special group of Christians. He writes this to you, to all Christians. He's addressing both pastors and laymen, men and women, young and old, no matter what you do for a living. God wants you to give a defense for the faith that, and the hope that is in you. This means that each and every one of you needs to be ready and willing at any time to say what you believe and teach why you believe that. You have to be ready to have an argument at any time, granted that you do it with gentleness and respect. 
All right, so this is the problem I see. <laughs> uh, I think that most Christians speak theology or talk about the Christian faith the same way that I did my math homework in high school. <laughs> uh, let me explain. When I was in high school, I wasn't good at math. Uh, I'm still not good at math. I wasn't good then either. <laughs> uh, but on my math assignments, I would sometimes copy other people's answers. Don't do this. This is a sin. This is wrong. Uh, now, I would always get my homework back. And even though I had the right answer, the professor, the professor would write, show your work. And he'd mark the answer wrong because I only gave the right answer without showing how I got the answer, which proved painfully, obviously, that I had no idea what I was doing, right? <laughs> All right, so that's sort of what it's like when Christians believe what they believe without knowing why they believe it. You have all the right answers, the right conclusions and opinions, but you have no idea why or how to show it. Just to show you what I mean, think about this. I can ask all of you, I'm confident, I can ask you and say, do you believe in infant baptism? Do you believe in the Lord's Supper? Do you believe that the Bible is reliable, infallible, inerrant? Do you believe that Christianity is historical? Do you believe that Christianity is unique from every other religion and belief in the world? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you believe that God created this world? Do you believe that the pastor forgives sins in the stead of Christ? Do you believe in closed communion? That marriage should be the lifelong union between a man and a woman? Do you believe that God has called only men to be pastors? And I am confident that all of you will say, yes, I believe it. I have no problems with these things. Uh, if you did have a problem with these things, uh, you probably would have left by now. <laughs> uh, but the real problem comes up when I say, okay, you believe this. Why? Why do you believe this? And some may say, well, it's because the Bible says so. Very good. And I say, where? Where does it say that? Prove it to me. Show me. And then usually silence. Usually the answer is, I don't know. Or I read it somewhere long ago. Or my pastor said it. Or this is what I've always believed. Or something along those lines. To be clear, this is not good. You know very well that these aren't good or acceptable answers. Would you accept it if anyone else said this to you about what they believe? If someone says, look, the bread and the wine is not the body and blood of Christ. And you say, well, why do you say that? And they say, well, because my pastor said so. Or because that's what my church teaches or that's what I've always believed. You know, that's not a legitimate answer. That's not sufficient. So you have to do better than this when you defend the faith and give a reason for the hope that you have in you. Now, I admit it's a very good start. It's a very good place to start that you know the right answers. This is great. You can start there and then work backwards. 
It's good that you know homosexuality is wrong, that abortion is evil, that women aren't called to be pastors, that open communion is sinful, so on. But you have to know why. You need to know why you confess what you confess. You have to know why you believe what you believe before you tell others that they should believe it. In other words, show your work. You may have the right answer, but if you can't defend why you have that answer, that means you have not devoted yourself sufficiently to the word of God as much as you should. There's still something lacking. It means that you have, in fact, been lazy in studying the word of God and that you haven't taken it as seriously as it needs to be taken. Now, all of you, uh, except for one here today, (laughs) all of you live out in this world among people who aren't confessional Lutherans. I'm referring to Pastor Fry. Um, He and I are in a different category, and I'm going to explain why. But all of you live out in the world among people who aren't confessional Lutheran, among people who aren't Lutheran, let alone Christians. And you tell me this all the time. You tell me how difficult it is, how you feel silenced and blacklisted because you believe in something that the world cannot tolerate. To be honest, you guys have the hard work as Christians. Your work in this regard is harder than the pastors. As a pastor, I live among Christians. Pastors live among Christians. Nearly everyone we talk to is either a Christian or a pastor. The vast majority of people are that. Once in a while, we'll run into a lapsed Christian who is angry at God and by default angry at the pastor too. But most of the people I talk to believe in God in some degree. But you all live and work and socialize and have friends in a world that doesn't believe the same thing you do, that does not believe in God. That is the world you live in. You live in the world that is hostile to what you confess. Now, some of you have talked to me about your encounters and arguments with unbelievers, even other Christians who reject what the Bible says. Um, And the advice I've given in these times is that the best thing you can do is to quote the Bible. Just quote, read the Bible, quote it. Uh, Simply say what the word of God says, say what Jesus himself has said, that in, in and of itself is the best defense. However, in order to quote the Bible, you have to first know what the Bible says. And uh, I I want to make a distinction here between recognition and recall. Uh, For example, most Christians can recognize the Ten Commandments. So if I say, you shall not commit adultery, all of you are going to say, that sounds like one of the Ten Commandments. Yep, sounds, sounds, I've heard it before. Uh, However, in my experience, most Christians cannot recall or remember them. In other words, if I say, what is the third commandment? They say, I don't know. It's remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember? Uh, Even worse is if I ask what it means. What does it mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. As Christians, you have to move past the infantile stage of just regurgitating and recognizing the word of God. And you actually have to grow in the faith 
to recall it, to memorize it, to learn it by heart. This word should be so ingrained in you that I can walk up to you at any moment in the day and say, what does baptism do? And without thinking, you say, 1 Peter 3.21, baptism now saves you. Simple. Uh, now, here's an excursus from the sermon and just some practical advice. I'm going to give you four ways, at least, that I can think of for you to always be prepared and to learn to make a defense for the faith. Uh, the first and best way to learn to make a defense is by coming to church. Come to church and pay attention and take notes. Write things down. If you can't remember, make note of the hymns, the readings, the liturgy, and the sermon. Do these things. The next best thing is to talk to me. <laughs> talk to your pastor, whoever your pastor is. Ask him questions about the Bible, about God, about theology. Ask him why we practice close communion, what the Bible says about creation, about church discipline, about husbands and wives, and so on. There is no dumb question when you ask it in faith. Uh, to tell you the truth, nothing makes me happier than to get a text or an email or phone call with some off-the-wall, random theological question. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, I don't always have the answer, but I will look for it until I do. Uh, the third way is to go to Bible study. And this speaks for itself. And the fourth way is very powerful and effective. And it is to do devotions at home. Fathers, lead devotions for your wife and children. The reason this is so effective is because the best way to learn anything is by having to teach it. And when you teach it at home, you learn it yourself all the more. You talk about the Sunday, the service, the readings, the sermon, anything. Read theological books, listen to good uh, uh, podcasts and sermons and these sort of things. If you're having trouble defending the faith, or having, knowing why you believe what you believe and articulating that, then do these four things. God word, God's word helps you make a defense and is your defense. Okay, uh, now I've talked a lot about the fact that you need to make a defense for the faith, but I haven't told you why. And you need to defend the word of God precisely because the world is trying to take it away from you. In fact, you can view it like this, that the very questions you have in your mind right now or at any moment about the church, about the Bible, anything you have trouble articulating and remembering, these are the very things that the devil is trying to pry away from you. He is trying to take these things away. And this is true for all of the Bible. So this is why you need to be prepared and ready always to make a defense. Now, I want to bolster something down even further in your hearts and cement this in your souls. It's true that Peter says you should defend the word of God in general. But today, Peter's speaking of something very, very specific. He says that there is one thing that you must know how to defend. This is something you cannot afford to be lazy with, to be weak on when it comes to this. He says, 
Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Did you hear it? The hope that is in you. What is that hope? That is none other than the hope of Christ Jesus the Lord. The hope of the forgiveness of all of your sins. The hope of your salvation and the resurrection. You need to not only recognize your forgiveness and the gospel, but you need to recall and remember it and defend against it. Against people trying to take it away. You need to not only believe in the forgiveness of sins, but you should learn how to defend it because the world, the devil, and your flesh day and night is trying to rip this comfort right out of your heart. Day and night, left and right, you're being attacked to give up this hope, to lose hope, to fall into despair. The devil torments you. Your past sins haunt you. The world persecutes you. They're trying to take away the one thing that can save you. The one thing that is more precious than all the silver and gold in the world. In fact, all of those attacks that we talked about on the Bible before are simply a way to try and take away the chief thing from the Bible, the forgiveness of, the sin, of your sins. If the devil can make you doubt the words of God when it comes to marriage, then he can make you doubt the words of God when it comes to your forgiveness. If he can make you doubt the words of God concerning the Lord's Supper and about the creation of the world and so on and so forth, then he is in a better position to rip out the forgiveness of sins from your heart. As a Christian, you have to constantly fight off the legions of attacks on you that try to persuade you and convince you that you are saved by works, that you must earn your salvation, that you must do something to win the favor and love of God. You need to imprint the gospel on your soul. Don't ever lose it. Engrave it into your heart. And don't go to sleep unless you memorize these words tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm going to show you from the scriptures why we believe what we believe, why we believe, teach, and confess this. It is not just a Lutheran thing. It's not a German thing. It's not just something that we at Zion decided that sounded good, and that's why we have the gospel. This is coming from the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Galatians 2.16, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Romans 3.28, a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Romans 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. These words are the hope you have. These words save you. Jesus gives you what he did on the cross 
through those words that you just heard. It is not just information or trivia. This is the word of God, the holy, holy gospel of the Lord, and it is powerful. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. These words not only defend you from the world, but they save you from this veil of tears. So take them to heart. Memorize them. Your ears will literally never hear anything more beautiful or more wonderful or more comforting than what you just heard. You may be able to recall everything from the Bible. You may, or know how to, you, you may not know how to recall everything from the Bible or know how to defend it. Or, uh, but you do need to memorize and know and defend the gospel, which is your hope. And the reason is because someday, I don't know when, but sometime soon, the day will come when I cannot be there with you. And the day will come when you cannot be there for each other. And when you cannot be there for your children. The day will come when your eyes no longer work and your ears fail. And you will face your final hour. And when the last hour comes, there is only one thing that needs to be on your mind. Only one thing worth thinking about only one thing worth spending your final ounce of energy your final brain cells on this very thing the one thing that will save you from hell defend you from the devil and fight off a thousand demons who come rushing at you in that moment this holy and precious gospel is the only thing you need and it's what you already have So remember it and recall it. Say it to yourself because when you have this word, you have Jesus. And even if you're alone in that final hour, you're not alone because Jesus is with you and he will protect you and he will defend you and he will save you. You have his word. Don't give it up for anything in this world. Don't let anything or anyone take it away from you. Jesus loves you. He forgives you all of your sins. He will bless your effort in trying to remember his word, in trying to remember the gospel. He will cause you to remember his forgiveness. He wants you to know that he has done everything you need for your salvation. And you have nothing left to do. Trust him. He will save you. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.